0: you're listening
1: to from the pink seats podcast of the state of louisville podcast
2: network now here's your host jacob lane matt mcgavin and vince
0: mccoco we are excited to keep it moving into week three of 2023 in review as we continue to talk about Louisville fo- football season This week particularly uh, focusing in on the defense, and we're excited to be joined tonight by Louisville Sports Live host Taylor Lynch uh, to talk about all the big storylines that were on the defensive side of the ball, and there are a lot of them. From the Pink Seeds Podcast, presented by Frankfort Avenue Liquors & Wine, 2115 Frankfort Avenue, right next to Manhattan Project. Full bar, cool package goods store. Check them out. Stock your bar. Everything that you need there. Stop in for a drink. Stop in for watching a game. Whatever it is, great place to be. Uh, and, of course, it comes to you on the State of Louisville Podcast Network, powered by Kearns Corner, home of four original podcasts. Make sure you check them out on stateoflouisville.com. Subscribe and follow along at Pink Seeds Pod can't thank you all enough for supporting the show even though we're getting into the offseason man you guys are still still really digging the football content so as long as that's the case we will be here week after week talking about it uh, and i'm excited to do so tonight guys with taylor lynch because the defense is, is a very fun topic um because they were a lot better than what we expected um and they had a lot of f- star power i mean honestly you ask yourself how can you replace guys like yasir abdullah and um yaya diaby and katrell clark well, you do so with Ashton Gelati and you do so with Quincy Riley and you do so with Jarvis Brownlee and you do so with Cam Kelly. I mean, little could have potentially, you know, two or three guys drafted um, from the defensive side of the ball this year. And that's without MJ Griffin. So there's a lot of really good storylines to talk about. Uh, and this team played Vince Vince's style of football, right? Smart. Uh, in terms of being I mean Vince you were a smart football player man i really really good at diagnosing plays being able to read and react
1: yeah most of that came
0: from once I was once I started coaching I'm gonna
1: be honest with you Jacob I was definitely uh yeah I wish I would have known half this stuff that I know now as a player which I guess every player I'm sure says that but yeah and I'm sure every coach looking back will say I would have been a much better ball player but
0: yeah, it was a it's a really interesting conversation that we have here on the show because this group, um, you know, we knew they had a lot of talent. We knew they had a lot of pieces. We had questions, but it was a matter of is Jeff Brown a guy who's going to lean on his defense to do much of anything other than just go out there and if you stop him, great, and if not, we'll just outscore them, right? If you yep. wondered about Louisville being able to do that, and so this year that that wasn't the case. They won games with their football team, um, on the defensive side of the ball. They they beat. Top ten teams with defensive efforts where they lock the field down, and there's some really interesting stats that um, were presented in low, low, small J journalism form. As I tried to replicate Matt McGavick, uh, uh, just guessing, <laughs> and <laughs> opposite of Matt McGavick is where it ended up. But when you look at the real stats, guys, I mean, it's it's a defense that, I mean, I, I'm not asking defense that so won a lot of, of football games. Yes, that's right. A lot of important football games. Right. Make yeah. like, sure keep 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 that in mind, but. In your in your guys' opinion, we'll, we'll last question here, and we'll jump into the interview with Taylor. But um, was this defense better or worse? And I'm not talking about total defense, whatever, but better or worse than they were in 2023 uh, or 2022? I mean, that's a they, they did a lot of things better, man, but they also didn't do things as, as well, like get to the quarterback and you know turn the football over. But look at – again, I'm not going to give the data points away because I want you all to listen to the show. Right? How dare you try to come in here and get the the stats in the first part? How do you listen listen to this show? No, but in all honesty, like the data shows that when football was on the line, when the game was on the line, or when an important down was occurring, they got off the field and they made plays. And they didn't do that all the time in 2022. So better or worse, Matt and Vince, what do you think?
2: I'm going to say that the defense in 23 was better. I mean, it wasn't by some wide margin, but I think it was better. I mean, when you look at the 22 defense, yeah, it leads the country in sacks. You've got real star power in Yaya Diaby, Yassir Adula, guys like that. But there were areas where that defense really didn't excel in a lot. Like they were very so-so in secondary. They weren't great on third down or in the red zone. And then this defense where, like, you've got – you've got a guy like Ashton who is star, but it's not as much star power as the 22 defense had. But the front seven was a lot more consistent. The secondary was a lot more consistent. They were excellent in some of the crucial areas of the field on defense being third down in the red zone. So while it's not – it's not nearly as prolific when it comes to, like, the sacks and the havoc plays and whatnot – yeah. But like purely from a, from an efficiency standpoint, I think the 23 defense has the 22 defense beat.
0: I mean, that's crazy. You wouldn't have really expected that. Vince. I mean, you watch this group and you see guys that were there when you were there develop and having weight and been patient. Jared Dawson does tell, you know, DJ I mean, Quinn's the coolest guys. one to see yeah. out of
1: all of them being able to see a safe. It's a lot like CJ Avery. Uh, a lot of guys in college, they hate moving to new positions and they'll sit there and fight the coach to all end thinking they know better than the coach. And sometimes in instances, you know, they do. Like, look at Lamar. Lamar. Everybody wanted Lamar to be a running back and wide receiver, but he, you know, stuck it out as a quarterback. But in instances like C.J. Avery and T.J. Quinn, those are guys that clearly need to be moved down into the box. And for him to be able to accept that role, put the necessary weight on and understand the position and where he should be shooting gaps and uh, everything like that was really cool. So it was Jared Dawson. I mean, that was a guy that, I mean, he struggled a lot uh, with stuff uh, with Satterfield, and then be it the defense and off the field and everything. And to see him finally get it all and it all come together, uh, see him playing with energy, uh, see him smiling out there and having fun—that was that was uh, really cool to see. But yeah. I take the twenty-three defense as well. Before Matt got on that rant, that's what I was. That oh, that's why. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I that was just I just pulled that out of my ass in terms of a question. I thought that was a good one. What you it was is a good, that, it was, yeah, it's it's a good question. A, nice little teaser. Yeah, that, that's a good teaser. Okay, yeah. well, audience, while you ponder, in a world where
1: defenses are very similar, <laughs>
0: you now, started and like that. <laughs> here's a, we talk a little bit about 2024 in this interview uh, or in this this episode. And what's interesting about this is you have a trip to Clemson next year that you take your team to Stanford on the road. Notre Dame. Um, you go to you go to yes, a game. We will be going to Vince. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent, sure. I've I'll be with. No, am going. Yeah, yeah. Put me, put me in on there. You there. You got. You got Yep, feel like there's again. some kind of access in a Notre Dame that you have that I don't. So nope, take I me with not. you. Don't have okay. any access. All right. Well, well, if you count God, was... Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God is my access to Notre Dame. Yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, I, mean, I am it's... a baptized Catholic. So yeah, there you go, man. See, yeah. they, you're not, you're not, uh, Burning the place down the second you step on campus. But uh, no, in in all honesty, you you take this team on the road next year in some really challenging places in 2024, and you got to expect to have some expectations that we're talking about in this episode. You got to take a defense that can win in Palo Alto. You got to have a defense that can win in Death Valley, that can win in in Lexington. Like, you go on the road this year, man. It's This is the year of being able to win on the road. I hope this is the year, yeah, the road dogs, road kill. Uh, There's a lot of different road puns that we can use here. Hopefully, they're not middle of the road. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at us. Who would have thought this podcast plays, right. plays on words? All right. Our audience Not has me. got the finger hanging barely over the skip button, so let's go no, ahead. No, they're we're sitting gonna... here 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 yeah, seconds. Yeah, just uh, Taylor Lynch <laughs> is on here. Where is he at? Um, We're going to go ahead. We'll transition. Taylor Lynch will join the show, Global Sports Live, uh, and we'll talk about it. It's been a while. It's been almost two years since he's been on the show. And can I tell you this? I should have brought this up and asked why. Until today, guys, this is. I'm offended still. He didn't follow our account on Twitter. He... Follow me, follow what? you guys. But he didn't follow. Yeah. And I told him, if you don't follow our damn show on Twitter, you're not coming on the show tonight. And he said, okay, fine. Sorry. I I will do it. And he did. So shout out to Taylor. That's our guy. I love the there's a lot of Older guys that work in Louisville media that have been doing this for a while, but I love the group of young guys that are here doing their thing, like the Taylor Lynches, like Matt, like Jeff Lightsey, like that to me is really exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm here for that, man. I really like the, the group of young fellas out there that are, are representing Louisville media. So shout young out to Young bucks you are hungry. Yeah, that's right, man. We're not, yeah. just po- not just bloggers. We're not just podcasters, man. This is the new wave. This is it. We're here. We're the new era. <laughs> All right, let's transition. Taylor Lynch joins the show. New era of Louisville defense, and that's winning games with your defense on the other side. Stick around. All right, fellas. I, I felt like before just now, I was the most handsome. And, you know, Vince and I could argue about that. And then Matt, we obviously know, I'm sorry, buddy, but you're just a short step behind us in handsomeness. I do say you rock the beard and bald look very well, very well, Matt. Uh, but i look handsome damn it yeah no see i love the confidence man you're (laughs) such a confident big dude man i I love it but uh we you know show just got a little bit better looking taylor lynch louisville sports live how we doing man welcome to the show i'm
3: I'm doing well i figured you know if you're gonna come on pink seats you've Mm got to throw the backwards hat on so wow i had to had to rock it (laughs) just for you jacob (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, I, just, I just realized yeah. I'm on
2: the yeah. only one here not wearing a hat. <laughs> that's
0: okay. When you got a bald head that beautiful, man, you got to let the people yeah. see it. Yeah, you <laughs> buff message. that thing Sometimes out just like, for the show. Just a bunch of guys in hats. Yeah, that's right. That's that's, that's the right. new pod man. Just a bunch of guys <laughs> in hats. Well, it's yep. great to see you, man. I feel yeah. like I, you know it's a weird relationship between you and I because I don't see you often. From time to time, we'll run into each other at games, but I hear your voice typically like once a <laughs> week, and I don't know who else is what kind of relationship I have like that. So yeah. you know, I feel like I hear from you all the time. Glad to have you here. We're glad to talk football, man.
3: I will tell you guys, honestly, um, your podcast getting ready for football season, breaking down each individual position group. Okay. That is what I, All one right. of the things I listened to for Thank my you. prep, uh, to get ready to do the pregame shows this season. So
0: okay. I take that back then, man. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank, you, Thank you. This is right. I love this. This is wow. a great Sit stuff. right there. All right. Well, that's awesome. Well, by the way, man, I just want to say, cause I haven't seen you, you did a great job this year. I thought you did awesome with everything that, uh, you you had it easy though in terms of the the football team was actually like oh, yeah. good, right you know I'm so, paying for it
3: now <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: right this is the this is that in return but hey you look you look like you haven't gone through the, the uh, stresses of a basketball season you still like you're glowing from football man so that's that's my yeah. feedback for you
3: yeah I, I'm trying my best to just relive those good vibes and the the key for basketball season for me is watch when I have to do post game if I don't have to do post game I don't watch so it's okay. a lot easier for me. Uh, to not be super depressed about it, um because, yeah,
0: there's there's really no point.
3: But we're not talking about basketball tonight. We're talking that's about right. something that is near and dear. to, of to all of our hearts we're talking about that's football.
0: right. That's right, man. <laughs> Actually, you know what? if you if you really think about this defensive unit, you could probably pull five guys off of it that would be better than the little basketball, maybe close competitively, right? Like 100%. I'm talking like you get Mason Ryger out there. Like, you know, he's like a six foot five powerful you get better he's effort like Wayne Sutton man of of football. You get, you know, uh, somebody like Jermaine Lole is your backup center, pulling like a DJ Burns type of oh, role. You got <laughs> no, I know he's not with the team, but you got Josh Minkins, who was a very good basketball player in high school. I know there's others, man. You really could probably put a good basketball team with Jelati's
3: yamming on fools. If, yeah, he, if he gets in the lane, he is oh, yamming yeah. on fools.
0: And that would be the best hair ever in basketball. Yeah. Like, I can't yes. think of anybody who's had that kind <laughs> yes. of hair. But okay, Noah, like you said, That's right, man. How dare me? That How dare me? You're right. him That's a. It's not a, too bad, off like of a football basketball comparison there. In terms, he'd of, be
3: like an athletic yeah. version of Sky Clark with the hair. <laughs>
0: there you go, Ooh. man.
3: Well, let's talk athletic <laughs> version
0: of Sky. <laughs> oh man, let's oh, talk that's what we're here to do here tonight. Off the rails already. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, look. We got plenty of time, man. What we got? It's only like three minutes in. We're we're doing just fine. Doing just fine. But defense, right? You talk about good vibes. You talk about good things. The Louisville football defense this year was a lot of fun to watch, man. It felt like, in a sense, retro throwback Louisville football in a way because you got guys who were good at a couple things, including tackling, right? We, we've seen that be a struggle for years. Sorry, Vince. A lot of your teammates weren't necessarily great, uh, and the guys that you coached great at getting there and bringing the guy down the first time they got there, right? This team really surprised folks. They were able to you know, put pressure on the quarterback, they were able to play fast. They were really athletic. They tackled extremely well. And this year they covered well for the most part, right? So we'll get into all of that. There's a lot of different different nuances and, and ways we could go here. If you're looking at this, like the outline or a web, right? These are just kind of flowing out here. And as we kind of come to them, we'll see what happens. And for me, I love and want to start with the addition of Ron English and Mark Hagan. I thought. Um, I, I think I said this on our show, Taylor, uh, last off season, but if you had hired Jeff Brown back in 2019 with the defensive situation he had, then I don't necessarily think it's as good of a hire as it is now with guys who came into Purdue really turned things around, made them look a lot better than they were. They come to Louisville. There's some questions about how they replace guys like Yaya Diaby guys like Yasir Abdullah, you know, the 50 sacks, right? How do you follow up on that? But man, they were pretty damn good. Right. And they did a lot of things really, really well. Yeah, I, you know, the Ron English hire for
3: me was one where, like, it, it's one of those things where when it's announced, you're like, are we really gonna, really gonna do this? Like, we remember what this was like the first time around and we're gonna, we're gonna kick the tires on this and do it again. And really, this season kind of gave you, everything you wanted if you depending on what side you were on if you were somebody that was like man I don't know if Ron English is the right guy blah 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 there was plenty for you to to pick on especially at the end of the season Uh, but if you were somebody that was just like you know I think I think he's figuring it out I think this defensive scheme is going to work then then there was plenty for you to be excited about but there were definitely some moments (laughs) this season especially at the end of the year uh, where we all kind of felt like Sammy from Jersey shore. And we're all just like, Ron, stop. Ron. Like, <laughs> stop. Are you friends with her? Like there was definitely yeah. some moments like that where, yeah. where, especially at the end of the year, but yeah. I think it's a good hire. I I really like uh, Mark Hagan coming over. I really like keeping Mark Ivy on staff. I think that was huge. Uh, what he was able to do with the defensive line and the continuity that they already had. I think it's great. Um, They've got some some room to improve. I was happy for the most part with what we saw from the secondary. Uh, but they got a lot better this uh transfer portal season, guys.
0: Yeah, it's it's gonna be um it's gonna be really fun to see that group really rebuilt and, and almost in a way last year they combined, you know, half of the guys who came back with this crop of transfers in the secondary, and it worked for the really well for the most part. People forget again the injury kind of storyline creeps up on you here mj griffin that's a completely different defense without a guy that you expect oh, yeah. to be a captain of your defense right but as the season went on guys stepped into their roles they got comfortable and like you said i thought mark Kagan um brought a new level of physicality with this defense up front vince i want to ask you this uh when looking at this defensive line and especially being around mark ivy um when he was here uh, as the defensive line coach before moving to linebacker notice if anything that was different about what they did up front this year um from you know whether it's a hand standpoint whether it's just a physicality it felt like from interior you know out they got stronger they they were good in in spurts over the three four years with Satterfield but this year really that whole group that whole front four became a problem and any any down they could get after it
1: I really think it had a lot to do with death Jacob like we had we added a lot of guys. we didn't add a lot of guys, but a lot of guys stepped up in big ways. I mean, we've mentioned Jared Dawson a lot in this show. And that's somebody who we've watched develop, you know, the past however many years under Satterfield, and then this past year with the Brahms. So for me, I think it's more that than anything. Uh, because we always talked about how, you know, the D line was playing on the other side of the ball and everything like that with Satterfield's uh defensive line with you know, Yaya Diaby and uh, Ashton and uh, Yasir coming off the edge as well. But, I mean, really, I think it comes down to depth of just having the guys and guys yeah. stepping up.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you had like 11 dudes that were playing this year. Yeah, like I D-line. felt comfortable
1: with every D-line rotation that was in the game.
0: Yeah, and you could have honestly probably thrown like five more out there. I mean, the thing is they had a bunch of guys that didn't even get onto the field. Yeah. We've seen that in the portal uh, season. Matt, game one, let me take you back to Atlanta. 39 34. They gave up 34 points to Georgia Tech in week one. What is like, if you can rewind yourself and remember, like, just where they were then and how they came along, like, what did you see that changed? And was it just getting more comfortable, or did you see something schematically that as the year went on, you know, they obviously had the big shutouts and all of that, like, that they just played better or or had, you know, a different kind of adjustments?
2: Well, I I remember um, coming away from that game, I wasn't nearly as pessimistic as a lot of other people were just because i mean if y'all remember 28 of georgia tech's 34 points came in one quarter and like like a one of those quarters where you just basically just burn the film and you just there's not really anything you can take away a lot from or if you look at it conversely there's a lot you can because like oh yeah y'all y'all screwed up y'all screwed up y'all screwed up y'all screwed up
1: I was going to say, but, those burn the those games where we say burn the film, those are the worst in the film room.
2: <laughs> yeah. Even if it's yeah, just that imagine. quarter,
1: you could have three quarters of perfect football, blow the team out, that coach is going to, oof, that one quarter. Yeah, I mean, you'd make you think you lost.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, like, like you said, Vince, three-fourths of that Georgia Tech game, the defense looks pretty good. Yeah. It's just that the second quarter, they just shit the bed. So, like, moving forward from that, I, I wasn't – nearly as low on them as everyone else was but I mean uh, were there concerns obviously because I mean the the push up front was a little concerning just because it, it didn't seem like they were getting a lot the, the coverage on the back end was a little streaky and then those were the two things that as the season went on those were like strengths of the defense like during the middle portion of the season they were getting consistent pressure up front and then working together with them the secondary was playing incredibly sticky coverage and those things kind of just worked together to create a defense that was a really well-oiled machine up until you know the final couple games of the season
0: It, it was fun it really was um and they were you know not exactly what you expect necessarily on paper uh from a football team in terms of you know size height they played undersized positions they were you know they they could put five defensive linemen out there that were over, you know, two seventy-five, and you'd feel comfortable still, right? They, I mean, they just had different pieces um, that were left over and and pieces that they brought in, and they meshed really, really well. Um, and as the season went along, you know, you started to see guys emerge. and And Taylor, I'm just curious on your perspective, you know, watching Ashton. I think one of the storylines that you guys probably talked about a lot when when the defense was of conversation in the off season was can Ashton become ya, you know, type of mm-hmm. of production. What what was it like? What, you know, or what, what from your perspective? Just this season, that growth from him. What did you see that stood out, and why he was able to be so successful despite being held all the time, like yeah. all the time, like absolutely what, more than and my son wants to be cold. held. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, the exact opposite of that type of situation.
3: I think that we all kind of knew that this was possible for Ashton based on the way that he played the previous season. I think we we all kind of thought that. He, he had that in him that he could step into this role and kind of make this his defense and be the face of this defense and, and the defensive front. But it was, can he do it? Can he put it together? How is this new staff going to come in and utilize him? Where are they going to want him to be at? You know, what? what's his, what are they going to try to tweak his technique? Is he going to try to do, they're going to try to do different things with him. But really, credit to the staff. I mean, they were like, Ashton, you're really good at this, go do that. Go, go wreak havoc on the opposition's backfield. Just you don't, it was almost like, and I know they this wasn't said, but it was almost like, don't worry so much about scheme. Just go put his ass on the ground. Like, that's what we need you to do. Go hit him and hit him hard. Uh, And, and that's what he did. And, and he absolutely balled out. I was shocked that he announced that he was coming back. I thought for sure that he was going to go test the draft waters uh, and probably be a third round guy or late second round guy. Um, But now he's got an opportunity to come back, and I think part of the issue with the defense in those last three games of the season was teams kind of started figuring out what Louisville was going to do defensively, and you went up against three teams at the end of the year, and if you want to count the bowl game too, that were better suited to kind of scheme against what Louisville wanted to do defensively, especially on that defensive line and getting pressure. So I think part of the issue why we look at the defense and we go, oh, that defense kind of was so-so at the end of the year, they weren't getting a pass rush at all in those last three games. And when you're not getting a pass rush, your secondary can only stick with their man for so long. And that's why people are looking at the secondary going, God, what happened? What happened in that USC game? Well, they got no pressure in the USC game whatsoever. And that quarterback had – All day long, he looked like Joe Montana back there in the pocket. He had all day to drop dimes uh, to the to the speedy, athletic wide receivers that USC has. So I think what they did in the transfer portal, bringing Tyler Barron in here from Tennessee, having him kind of be what I hope is going to be the yin to the yang uh, for Ashton to have somebody else that can. That can rush with him, so that not everybody's keying on him anymore. Because that's what happened at the end of the year; everybody was keying on Ashton Gelati, and and Mason Rieger came in and gave you some good minutes, and and was able to get some pressure, but it wasn't consistent enough. Everybody knew you got to, you got to block Gelati, you got to double team Gelati, uh, and and keep him from getting at the quarterback. So you bring in uh, Tyler Barron, you bring in Thor Griffith. I think that he's Ashton's going to be even better next season because of what louisville has done in the transfer portal and getting him some help you're not going to
1: be able to slide that entire offensive line no. all the way over to ashton no. now and you know or even just chipping him you know with the tight ends and stuff everything's going to become a lot more of a problem now that he has you know another pass rusher on the other side that's what made you see her and yaya so awesome yeah because you really couldn't slide the Whichever side and you know, a lot of times B Brown would dial up a good pressure with that. So
0: Yeah. And, and you and
2: then when you it's even better because like the depth not only on the edges, but on the entire defensive line is much better because you've got Ashton and Tyler Baron on the edges. You've got Mason Ryger as you go to edge rusher. But then when you look at like the D tackle and the nose tackle spots, I mean, through the portal alone, you bring in Thor Griffith, who I mean, it was all but can like it all, but was going to happen. He was going to go to either Ohio State or Michigan, mm-hmm. and he ended up at Louisville. And then you get an underrated portal pickup from FIU in D tackle Jordan Garad, And Like I think he's going to be really good.
3: I really like, and
2: it. that I do too. And that's just two guys who you get to the portal. They bring back Jared Dawson, Ramon Hurrier, um, Desmond Tell, Jermaine Lole. I mean, the middle of the line is stacked, and now you have a really good two-deep on the edges, especially if you throw in Adanaya Green, who I think should make a jump up to his third year in college. And it's not a hot take to say that Louisville's defensive line might be the strongest part of their defense next season.
3: What do you guys think is reasonable to expect from Jermaine Lole this year? Because I feel like we have not gotten 100% Jermaine Lole
0: yet. Right. Right. And he's coming back with something to prove or else, you know, he wouldn't continue to tr- to try to come back to play a limited role. I thought the season when he, when he played, he popped, but it wasn't enough. So it's mm-hmm. gotta be some t- type of agreement of being able to play more snaps, be able to potentially do some other things. Let's put him in a fullback, man. How about that? I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like maybe that's part of the plan of how we got him back here. You get five <laughs> offensive snaps a game. We're going to turn you into Patrick Ricard. Let's go. I
2: mean, to be fair, I, he, he did look better over the final month because, I mean, you could tell in that first, like, month plus of the season that he was still dealing with the effect of what whatever injury he had this time. I'm not entirely sure what, what injury was plaguing him this time. But, like, once he seemed like he was fully healthy, he was a factor. I mean, I didn't realize it until when I went looking at the stats after he announced that uh, he was coming back. He started, like, eight, nine games. I didn't realize that. mm
1: so my thing with him is he's – next year, I think the smart thing to do is just to treat him like a vet, like throughout throughout the entirety of the season to get him through the year. So, I mean, putting him in either a yellow, which is like limited to non-contact, or a red jersey where it's no contact, and he is just getting a lot of mental reps or getting a lot of just hand placement reps, things like that, making sure everything's in the correct place. I think he needs to solidify his job in the spring – to where fall camp comes, he doesn't have to push it and, you know, oh, I have to establish myself as that number one nose tackle and things like that. Because we we did that with Boosie Whitlow, and he ended up having a pretty decent last year in 2019. And it's just guys like that, their body is just so beat down at some point. And, I mean, they still have a lot left in the tank worth to give. So, I mean, it, it's just one of those things that you have to maintain to get him through the year.
3: Well, Louisville did the same thing this year with Brian Hudson on the offensive line.
1: Exactly, like,
3: he took mental reps basically the whole back half of the season because he was battling oh, yeah. injuries. Hey,
0: exactly. Paid, I mean, it it's off. just something you have to do with the right, right. You gotta get the you gotta get the guys to Saturday, right? That's just that's how it, that <laughs> the reality of the the sport. That's what it is. Um, and and it'll be interesting to see the, how all these pieces up front come together because, you know, I could have again mentioned four or five, six more names of guys that should be, you know, in line to see some playing time and be competitive in that, in that group. And there's all these guys coming back. It's just – it's insane at what they have at their disposal, how they can utilize them. And as your you know, front four goes, then your linebackers in this situation or in this scheme start to emerge into their roles. And I think that's one of the big pieces of what made this defense so good at the beginning of the season was the play of T.J. Quinn and Jalen Alderman, which we're talking about – Keith Brown, we're talking about Sanquon Clark. We're talking about those guys, you know, likely stepping into key starting roles. And and T.J. Quintman, both guys from the Satterfield staff, step in, and they play really, really well. Matt, in your mind, what was it? You know, was it scheme fit? Was it, you know, just the the right place, right time? What was it that allowed them to merge into – I mean, they're damn good players, man. I mean, look, those guys were two of the the top three leading tacklers on your football team, Um, and not until late did they struggle whatsoever.
2: I think it was more so the scheme fit because the linebackers in the Brian Brown defense operate in a completely different way than the linebackers in the Ron English defense. Because, I mean, the linebackers in the Brian Brown defense, I mean, they were your playmakers. They were the ones getting sacks, getting TFLs, making the big impact havoc plays. Whereas the defensive line was just kind of, you know, eating up blocks just to kind of, set for gaps for the linebackers to go through and make the plays in the Ron English defense um it's pretty much the opposite the defensive linemen are the ones that make plays and rely on winning one-on-one battles to get in the backfield or get after the ball carrier and the linebackers are kind of the read and react type and I think that allowed um both TJ Quinn and Jalen Alderman to kind of settle in and not have to be thrown straight into the fire. Like, Hey, we're going to rely on you heavily um, on this defense, especially in a position group where the perceived notion heading into the year was, this was not the strongest position on the defense. So I think with, especially with TJ Quinn and he's, he's, he's a really good run stopper. He plays really well against the run. So he, I think that more so suits the kind of read and react scheme that he that uh, Ron English has for the linebacking core, and Jalen Alderman to an extent too, because I mean we saw his potential uh, as a was it a true freshman in twenty one when he had that pick six against UCF and played some games. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he right. was. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then then after that last season in twenty two, we didn't see him hardly at all. So I, I I really do think it it was a byproduct of this current defensive scheme under English more so suiting those two guys in particular as to why they had the seasons that they did.
1: To piggyback off that, Matt, I think it's also, you know, them being the two smartest guys probably out there on the field. I mean, the linebacking position is still your captain of the defense, your quarterback out there on the field, having to align everyone and get everything set up and stuff and communication wise. So it's not really surprising that, in my opinion, that TJ Quinn, you know, being a former safety and things like that, isn't afraid to shy away from, Communication and just speaking up and being able to talk.
3: It also helps that he's an absolute hit stick.
1: Yes. Right. Oh my <laughs> gosh. So yes. I mean, it's <laughs> awesome to watch it's him. It's like he's hitting the
0: R3 trigger every time. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And at the end of the season he starts to whiff a little bit, right? Eventually they figure you out, man. You're coming with yeah. nothing but missiles ready for that. That just absolutely. <laughs> hey, Ray Lewis even run, wrapped
1: man. up and, and made it made some form tackles and some good, just normal tackles every once in a while.
0: Yeah, that's a that's mm-hmm. you
1: know, you want a lot of power whenever you can hit somebody like that. You just you just want to unload it every time.
3: Well, I yeah. think that happened too a lot with Louisville's defense just down the stretch. I think people figured it out. And I think that was that was oh, yeah. part of the issue was, yeah. was they figured out kind of what Louisville was going to do, who the big playmakers were, and and to neutralize them. And, again, they went up against some teams with some big-bodied guys on the offensive line, and and they were able to, to block it a little bit better than, than some other teams could. And I think that's where Louisville reloading the way that they've done in the transfer portal is really going to help them sustain some dominance – this season on the defensive side, because really, we kind of saw a wave, I think, defensively where oh, yeah. it started out with the Georgia Tech game Ooh. where it's like, ugh, and then you get to that midpoint of the season and you're riding that wave and you're stuffing Notre Dame and you're stopping the leading rusher in the country and he looks like a bum. And then you come down and the wave crests and you get to the game against, as we lovingly refer to them, the team up the road. Um, and, and the last couple of games of the season, it's just like, what? what the hell are they doing? Like, you can't stop anybody. Uh, and then the USC game, you get torched in the secondary. But I, I think that you saw, especially losing that game uh, to the Smurfs, that pissed Brahm off. Like, he's – He's angry about that, and he carried that anger into the recruiting season and was like, you know what, I'm going to go get this guy and this guy and this guy, and I'm going to ram it down your throat, and I'm going to stop you guys, and I'm going to just beat them into oblivion next season. So I- I'm excited to see that game especially, uh, how they come out next season uh, and-, and play them, because I think it's going to be it- – look, if-, if Brom can get the chef's kiss uh, at Pickpack Field, he's gonna mm-hmm. he's going to love that.
1: Uh, I mean, that reminds me of like Coach Strong, uh, his second year, whenever he beat Kentucky. I mean, even that first game, it just felt... This first game this year and that game, uh, Coach Strong's first game against Kentucky, felt a lot, very similar to me. Mm -hmm. Like, the team that won can feel that things are kind of shifting the other way. You can kind of start to get that feeling and that vibe, and I, I completely agree with you that that definitely pissed Braum off, which... It's awesome. I wish we wouldn't have lost, but it's awesome yeah. that he was pissed off about losing the confession. Yeah,
0: really responded. So wild like, on. well,
3: uh, you know, you got love on each other.
0: Yeah, See? I remember sitting <laughs> in
3: that post game presser, and I just sat down and looked at Matt, and Matt looked at me, and it's like, it's that moment where you're wondering like, who's gonna ask the first question? Because you could tell how pissed off he was. It's like I don't want to be that guy mm-hmm. that asks the first question. He just flips the table and walks that, out of here.
1: When we had the Ali uniforms, too, there was the mannequin in the locker room, the UK mannequin in the locker room that I don't know who beat it up uh, before (laughs) the game and shit. So, I mean, you come back and come back in, you see a mannequin. I mean,
0: it's yeah, those are not you feel. Yeah, you probably feel a little dumb. Yeah. Like, damn, man. Like, just I mean, like, bro, I mean, like like, it was hype at first.
1: And then of course it is. (laughs) That was hindsight is.
0: Einstein is never really your friend, right? I mean, you typically see things and, you know, keeps you up at 3 a.m. as you run through the worst thoughts of the things that you did during the day, right? That one right there. Like, fuck, I really beat the doll up before we went out there and we got our ass kicked? Like, come on, man. <laughs> Next time, don't be so silly. No, but in all honesty, it was great to see uh, some of those guys that, uh, emerge that have been here for a while. And I know, you know, you talk about the defensive backs. Ben Perry kind of plays in, you know, more of that role. But it's a linebacker position by – true technicality and i really thought this year you saw him do a lot of great things when he was able to uh, there were several games and of course now i don't have them jotted down i can't remember but there were games where he single-handedly set set an edge on on the side and prevented you know big massive plays and would get there pull the you know pull the the ball carrier down or the wide receiver down he made several great great plays in coverage this year you really saw him evolve i really want Next year to see him become a star, right? I feel like it's there. Like we were on the mm-hmm. cusp of it, but never like that next step, you know, that control Clark took, or well, that's really not a good example. Cause he started out really, really strong, but there's some other guys over the course of the last few years defensively that, Really became stars late in their career to go on to the NFL, and you feel good about them. I would love it. I would love to see that from him. Uh, but despite you know him being out and only being a one man crew, you saw Antonio Watts step in and play well. You saw you know all these just pieces. It really did kind of bode well for them that they were able to get the most. And and again, there's a lot of guys that didn't play that you you think factor into next year and how they go about you know kind of putting out the best roster possible. So there's a lot of exciting things ahead. But I want to talk a little bit about. One of the, you know, um, kind of big learnings of Jeff Brom this year is the ability to lean into what your football team is. Right. You you see sometimes coaches try to fit a team to be what they want it to be versus reading what they have in the room and reacting, putting guys and, and gals in the best place to succeed at whatever they do best. Right. And I think um, this season I, I, he got a pretty good in, inclination early that we're going to have to win games by running the football. And playing good defense, and it was—I mean, when was the last time Louisville's done that? I mean, uh, you know, is it Charlie Strong? Yeah, yeah. like is that? It yeah. was like freaking centuries ago at this point that you put out a defense. We ran the ball well in '19, but we didn't play any good defense. No, and yeah. then uh, and last <laughs> yeah, you know, last know season, you could say you know technically might be one of the best defenses Louisville's fielded statistically, right? Fifty sacks, number one in the country, in that that data point—you have a, all those interceptions. Um, you know, top to bottom, not necessarily the strongest, but still, you know what I mean. It's one of the the most just playmaking playmaking group of defensive players, but still, this season you could go out and say, like the Florida State game. Unfortunately, couldn't get any offense, but you play a de- a game defensively there that will win you the ACC championship. You right? kept
3: Florida State out of you the, out, the out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, honestly, with the way yeah. that Louisville played them and the and the way they looked offensively, that's why they didn't make the playoff. Because everyone watched them play in that ACC championship game. We're like, God, these guys can't hardly make it across a friggin' 50-yard line. We're not going to mm-hmm. put them in the playoff.
1: I, I mean, I guess, it, it felt, that game in particular, I felt good up until the last. Obviously, like, we we're playing shitty on offense. But yeah. at any moment, up until the last drive, it was like, "This this could be it. And we could hit a deep ball, pop right here, and it, the whole thing could swing in the other direct other direction just because of how the defense is playing. And then we come back all happy ACC champions and talking about all oh, the defense is all awesome, blah, blah blah. But yeah,
3: you know, here we are. That game pissed yeah, but, me off. I think more than yeah. any other game this season. I mean, just, I mean,
2: I, I, I see. I'm speechless because now I'm having flashbacks to Charlotte. You're really, and it. I still, I yeah, I know. I still have you know that that pick to Tatum buffoon. Just lives rent free because I mean that was one of the worst throws I've seen Jack Palmer
0: make all season. But again, we're not talking about offense. We've already had our yeah, we did that. We did that. Yeah. Okay, don't don't bring Jack into this anymore, man. He had he got <laughs> we got our punches in last week. Poor Jack, man. We're we're Just on. Let that. the man live. You're 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 totally right though. But the thing is about like here the the conversation again with Jack. You can't talk about anything on this team without it, somewhat coming back to that. But. You have a quarterback who, if he just manages the game, you're gonna win ninety percent of them because you're got a really damn good defense, you know. I mean, think about what they did this season in their three um most difficult games, you know, outside of, of Kentucky, right? These are ranked teams, uh teams that they ultimately went two and one against, and that's Notre Dame, a top ten team, right? Historically good at scoring, being really, really good at offense, defense, like they do it all, right? Then you have Duke, which again, Vince does not recognize their legitimacy (laughs) at this point I don't don't know what they are even more now yeah right who are they now Manny Diaz hey Texas A&M stole their coach so I mean and what do they know they brought
1: Bobby back what
2: are you talking about that doesn't (laughs) help your case no okay that's a good point point. Uh, Uh, nothing nothing
0: says follow up Jimbo Fisher like let's go hire the Duke coach right I'm sure that's how all the fans feel down in College Station but regardless you shut Duke out right I mean they still had that running game. They uh, uh, Riley Leonard, I've played most of that game, right? I know he was really banged up. Um, and so, and then with, with Florida State, 16 points. Now, again, I know you're playing against the, you know, third string quarterback who was not going to take a snap all season long, but still with the weapons they had to hold, you know, guys to the, the statistics that they did, it was really impressive, right? You're like, okay, these guys can play here. And that ultimately at the end of the day, Jeff Brom recognizes that and leans into that. They develop well, they coach well, the penalties, a little bit of a head scratcher, but like when you look at what this team was statistically, and I don't have it in front of me now, but I, I, you know, they finished in the top, what 30, 35 in total defense in the country. They finished very well. I think on third down defense, if I'm not mistaken, red zone defense, they were fairly highly ranked. So I mean, like, all these things add up to tell you that you had a damn good football team who played really good defense. And I know uh, a lot of people don't believe this with this philosophy, but defense wins really important football games. This season, we don't win championships, but really important football. Defense games. Wins right. championships? Put all that on a t-shirt. Yeah, defense, defense, defense wins really important football games. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So right. that's, that's what it was. But... You
1: have so many players send in your meeting, like coach, I don't think that's how that saying goes. <laughs> yes,
2: it is. Damn it. Shut <laughs> up. We just made it up.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, hey, you know, in this in this season, that's what it was. And ultimately against Florida State, you couldn't get it done, but you played the type of defense. Uh, and if you can just hold on to the football, not put this defense out there one more time, two more times, um, you know, uh, who knows what, what they could have kind of accomplished with all that. Um, what do you all think just in terms of Jeff Brom evolution? Were you expecting a defense to be able to – I mean, I don't think any of us did. So that might be a dumb question, but like what – just feel like this is really massive takeaway here, right? It Feels like it requires some kind of really nice thought I mean, that I can't articulate at this point. I was I was
1: one that I mean, and I got recruited by them at Western, and I would always kind of rag on the fact that Jeff never had a good defense, you know, under Nick Holt, and then the first couple years at Purdue, it's just like it seemed like defense was always the
0: issue. So being able to hold on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, sit here now. Did you pull a Jawan past Jeff Brom? Like, did you walk in his office and be like, you're not good at developing quarterbacks? You're not good at developing defenses? Is that what this is? No, is that what I not start? at all.
1: I was a walk-on. I would have took any scholarship Yeah, at right. a Division no, one level. He was thinking it is what he was saying. Yeah, what are you, you talking have, about? He,
0: he kept that in his head.
1: You, yeah, you're crazy. I would have went to Duke if they would have offered. Yeah, <laughs> see, look at
0: this, man. I knew it. Anyway, sorry. Go but
1: on. it's refreshing to be able to sit back now and look at it and know that that's not a concern, and know that okay, all we were basically a good quarterback away from having a really spectacular season, and to be able to sit back and say that at the end of the day and address our issues in the portal, uh, like Taylor said, I mean, I, it's awesome and it's exciting, and I mean they were fun, they were fun as hell to watch this year. There was no, at no point in the season was I, was I, I felt bad for the defense being out there. Yeah, they were in some poor position uh, positions because of the offense. But when they weren't and it was just, you know, we had to kick the ball off and we're playing football, lining it up. I mean, I, I loved our defense.
3: I think it's the evolution, too, of Jeff Brom, just as a coach. I think that, you know, we wanted him bad uh, the last time around uh, when, when Satterfield ended up here. But I really do think there is such a thing as, you know, the perfect time. And I think that the Jeff Brom we would have gotten at that point is a much different coach than the Jeff Brom that we got now. And I think maybe that Jeff Brom would not have maybe taken this team and done the same things with it or taken any team and done the same thing with it that he did with this one, which was I'm going to focus on the thing I'm really good at. I think there would have been a little bit of an inclination to do the kind of square peg and a round hole thing um, we we throw the ball and we score a lot of points. So I'm going to throw the ball and score a lot of points. Even if maybe I don't have the wide receivers or the quarterback to necessarily do that, that's what we do. And we're going to do it. Um, so I think that we've got a, a, the best version of Jeff Brom and the perfect version of Jeff Brom to come back and take this job, uh, this season.
0: We'll be right back after this commercial break. You're tuned in to from the pink seeds podcast presented by Frankfurt Avenue liquors and wine. Looking for a place for some of the best beer and liquor deals in town? Frankfurt Avenue Liquors has you covered. If you're looking for a place to watch the game to catch some, some of the best live local music, Frankfurt Avenue Liquors also has a full service bar with some award winning bartenders, some of the best drinks you'll find in town, Frankfurt Avenue Liquors, as the name says, off of Frankfurt Avenue. Check them out today for the ones who work hard to
3: ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early
0: Let me give you some stats for Matt before. I know you're going to have a really profound thought here. I don't want to. You hold on to that, buddy. Don't leave that. Him pontificating just, on that. <laughs> Earlier, I made some really remarks in terms of statistical data. I just assumed and said things. Okay. So I want to give you the facts. I did the research while you were giving that great job. So he makes an ass out of you and me, Jacob. Hey, right, right. I can't. Mm-hmm. We can't be the nerdy stat podcast that the guy's like, oh, yeah, they're like 30s. I don't remember what it was. Right. So here it is. You know what we're doing right now? Please disregard that email. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. So. (laughs) So red zone defense, Louisville finishes first in the country. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a much, that's a far cry from what I said of top 20 or whatever it was. They were, that's, that's a really impressive statistic when you talk about being able to stop teams when it matters. Right. So you go to that other data point that is third down percentage and you say, okay, that's really good first. And what did they do third down just 10th in the country. Right. I mean, that's, that's a team right there that those two points alone Pretty much indicate that you have a team that, that you can rely on and count on in big moments, right? You can get off the field and you can prevent them from scoring points, uh, at least limiting whether it's three, seven to three, right? I thought that this year that was a really nice touch. The penalties were frustrating. Now they got called for a lot of bad pass interferences this year. I mean, it, it was, I could think of like five games where I'm like, you got to be kidding me. No chance. No way is that a pass interference, right? And then you I'll have to pay games- somebody
1: to get some holds.
0: Yeah, you're for it, man. Yeah, yeah I, I, was I was talking, talking about, about
1: penalties, man. That's what, uh,
0: and uh. then total defense levels 20th. So, uh, excuse me, 21st. So, you're talking about all around very, really, really, really good defense, higher, um, performance than what it, like I said, we could have ever expected. Um, and it bodes well for the future Taylor for all the things that you've mentioned, all the players they're bringing in, where they're growing uh where they're going to be able to you know likely with a, a very dedicated summer come out next year and I feel confident that this is this might be a little bit of a hot take this defense' is good enough to be one of the top 12 teams in the country next season.
3: I, well I'm you're glad you... me where the
0: data tells me that's not the case right here
3: No, I'm glad you brought that up Jacob because I'm gonna ask all three of you guys uh of the four playoff teams. From this past season, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas. How many of those four finished above Louisville in total defense? Now, don't cheat, Jacob,
0: because I know you looked. So, all right, no, I didn't. I didn't. I just got an email, so sorry about that. I didn't mean for my for the equipment to be ding here, but I did not. Look, I, know, I promise.
2: I know Michigan did. Yep. Washington, I don't think did. Texas, they don't
3: play defense in the Pac twelve. Well now they're in the big 10 Something. so you know Texas it, I'm going to say yeah,
2: no Alabama I'm going to say yes
3: so it was Michigan and Alabama and Texas was a few spots behind Louisville and Washington was completely uh, I had to go to the other page of the NCAA oh, geez, stats that. to find <laughs> page Washington two they, were like, three. they were like 83rd I think in total defense this season so Jeez. that puts it into perspective for you right there of where Louisville was in relation to some of these elite teams, like what Vince said earlier, they were a quarterback away from really having a special season.
0: That hurts, man. It's still like, a, yeah, we've talked about this now for this the mm-hmm. third episode, really kind of putting the bow on it here. And it's just, it's still, you know, it's still fresh, um, but it was a fun style of football on both sides of the ball. Right. Even this year, we talked about this a little bit with Keith yeah. Wynn in episode one. I mean, I think you even saw, some some I don't want to know you you know there's that saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks but with Ron English and Mark Hagen's defense like you saw things that they didn't do necessarily a lot of Purdue you know they didn't blitz five six guys a ton right they really didn't they weren't known for bringing extra pressure this year at times they did so to a fault like we saw several times this season late in the year I feel like they would rush six and just weren't getting there and and either. Um, you know, the the middle of the field opened up, and the quarterback was either able to take off or throw the ball and into into a wide open passing lane uh, or whatever the case is. But I feel like we saw them show we can, again, we can use what we have and we can really build this to to what these players do well. and And I think with Ashton coming back, with Mason Riger coming back with TJ. Quinn and Jalen Alderman, you have the key guys who are going to be hungry. Like, the, the, it is, the potential is just unbelievable for how good this group can be, not only just next year, guys, but for the next couple. As long as these big pieces don't decide they want to go home or, you know, go closer to home or get, you know, whatever the case is. Like, if they can keep this core together, staff together, I think it's, it's how good they can be. And offensively, we don't have to worry about that, right? I mean, we shouldn't. So, defense, you're just mm-hmm. good enough to get yourself to- – to that point of being a top twelve team, but we'll figure the rest out when we get there, man. Let, put us in Pasadena. Let me go to Pasadena next year. I don't know where they're going to play. The what's the, is it, what's the what's the what's the rules with the playoff? Are they are they home games? How's that work, Matt? You're a journalist. You got yeah, to know. hope so, so the
2: the the first round, which are the non buys, um, those are going to be on campus sites. Okay. And so then it's going to be with the remaining eight that are left. It'll be four bowls, and then the two semifinals are the other two. New Year six. So like the first four like the let me rephrase that the quarters and semis are the current New Year's Sixes and then okay. the championship game is just its own own thing.
0: Okay. I feel confident we we can get to Pasadena man. We can get there. I feel I feel confident. I don't know how but the
2: the, the Rose Bowl is the semifinal. So
0: Hey. Yeah. Hey. Man, I mean, Jake, never Jacob's never, man. just
2: Jacob's like call your shot. I have man. high
0: goals. Shoot yes. Shot. Look, I here's my here's I think my...
2: it's Rose and Sugar or what going to be the this the, the semifinals, if I remember correctly.
0: I want to go on a road trip next year. There's a couple of good options, and I would love to go to a bowl game. And, you know, why go to one of the games they've been to the last couple of years, the Holiday Bowl, the Air Force Bowl, Music City Bowl, whatever bowl they've won. I would like to save it for Pasadena or maybe the Fiesta Bowl or maybe the – I don't really – at this point, I don't care. But if you give me a New Year's Six Bowl that I get to go to again, life is is freaking amazing, guys. Like, that's just – as good as it gets good as it gets um all right let's see anything else here that really stands out let's talk about special teams okay that's that's something that stands out and not necessarily a good way we got to talk about this because um defense and special teams are often looped together at least by fantasy football standards so um this special teams i don't have any of the data in front of me but what i do know uh is that they were just kind of average and a lot of times kind of like it was back in 2021 they hurt the offense uh, or the defense in terms of how, you know, just depending on what it was with how they perform, uh, Matt, what do you think you, you're far more into stuff like that? Like numbers wise, but what about the special teams? What, just, what was it? I really don't know.
2: I mean, there were, there were just times where it seems like the special teams were actively playing a role in hindering, Wolval, whether that be on um kicks, kickoff returns, punt returns, defending uh kicks and punts. I mean, th- there was just something, all season long – with well, not all season long because for, like, the first half they looked fine. But in, especially in the back half of the season, there there was something off about special teams. And, and I've mentioned it a couple times on the show during the season how, like, I, I'm not going to outright call for his job, but Jeff Brom needs to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with Carl Meslowski when the season ends because there were times where special teams – possible at some point. So I, I'm I'm not sure if said come to Jesus meeting actually happened. I would like to think it did because what I saw in special teams was kind of doesn't look like ask, it with the recruiting.
0: You gonna ask Jeff? Is that your Jeff did you, you have that, that talk yet with Carl? Is that, is Jeff, that what you're going McGavin, with? I, uh, my quick thing, question. I,
1: I'm gonna play I guess devil's advocate here for Maz only because he's my guy. Yeah. So, so. I, no, I'm kidding. I think I know how guys treat special teams a lot, and it's a effort base. I mean, we heard Evan Conley talk about it, talk about Chris Bell in the effort, and uh, the listener posted the clip of him just diving through the air to go make a play. Like that's what it takes on special teams. You know, you know how puns get blocked. It's it's not because the coach schemed up something wrong. It's because the players didn't point and count to the right guy and slide to the right guy. I mean, you saw it in the one that uh god, I can't remember which game we had one blocked, but we had one blocked this year and I remember pointing out on our show just the fact that it was it was literally the PP the three uh protectors that blew it, not the one now he, i mean it's the they call it the pp personal okay. protector
0: <laughs> okay. All right, gotcha. okay. Yeah, okay i got
1: you yeah i know Just, football's got some funny terms guys it does that's what i love about it man <laughs> yeah. it's great i am I'm, I'm going to say more and especially with Maz being out on the road recruiting with people i say it's more effort on the players uh, we used to say it all the time look in the nfl how many starting wide receivers are on spe- we on special teams in college you go back and look, Devontae Smith uh, and all those ridiculous wide receivers on Alabama, all of them are playing special teams in some shape or fashion. Like That's something that Louisville needs to have is starters playing special teams in order to have a lot of success. You're not going to have any success out there having twos and threes. And, yeah, it's nice to put young guys out there, some sophomores who might not be playing much on uh, with the ones and twos and stuff. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to have some ones
0: out there. Yeah, that's an interesting take. Because I was going to say you don't want ones out there, but what do I know, no, man? No. I figure you, you want two. That, three that helps ones. you get drafted.
1: That helps you get drafted. We sure, I mean, sure. we used to beg Dez to be on kickoff and beg like 2, two We'd be like 2 just go on special teams and, you know, run downfield. You'll be the contanga. Like, I mean, it'll be perfect. That's stuff ah, that you want to get on uh, film.
0: Yeah, but I would be like, what's in it for me? Because that it sounds shows, like a whole shows lot of running. Much man. You care that's, about okay. the team and movie. whenever they come
1: to whenever Whoa. they come to the football office, and they ask, oh, well, how much does Tutu care? Did he play yeah. special teams at all this year? Well, all he did was punt return. He he told us a couple of times that he didn't want to do it. I mean, you're going to be honest to cover your reputation at the same time.
0: Whoa. That's a good point. That's solid football points, man. So that's analysis I can never provide because no one's ever asked me to play special teams. They have asked about my effort, but not with now, running down the field. Now, man. That's a lot of work. Now for I, a little hate, I
1: hated special teams. Like, I've, Yeah, that's awful. Me as a, player, as a player, I hate special teams. But, mm-hmm. you know, me – the coach hat on, I'm like, special teams matters a lot. I would love to have my ones Mm (laughs) out there.
0: Yeah, but I will say, though, like what would be fun for me playing special teams is trying to run and get the football before it goes into the end zone. Because it's almost like, you know, like playing 21 and you're trying to get a tip, like just the most ridiculous way you can save the ball from going into the end zone. That would be 100 percent what (laughs) I spent all of my effort doing. You see guys do that, though. They enjoy that. Right. That's that's the fun part for them. I used to love uh, power return in high
1: school. Because, I mean, back when football was football, you could crack back people. And, I mean, that would be – Prime. I, Listen to uh, you Vince
3: would, with the back in right, my day. Back I know, but ball, in my football.
0: This poor kid, with leather
1: helmets. Four kid at Atherton, his
0: mom made him sign up to play football, and he gets put on special Bro, teams You had like Atherton with 6A. Come on now. And Vince is out here just ruining this kid's Friday night, man, because he wanted to just get a little bit more his violent. Man's girlfriend's but, in the stands. Hey, no, those, are the clips, those are the clips you put first and second on the huddle, so
1: the football. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Right there. Right there. No. But I will say though, I, I don't remember if I saw this like as a rumor or if it was something that actually was confirmed. But I thought I had seen something about Quincy Riley wanting to play as a punt returner next year or being on the return team. I saw that. I don't know where that came from, but I'm here for it. That's a good, good idea for him, right? Because yeah. look at what Jair did playing in the punt returns. You know, he, he was dynamic as a punt returner. Obviously, you have the Florida State return at the top that really sticks out. But Quincy Riley, man, he's you put the ball in his hands, more opportunities. I like that. I mean, I know oh, you yeah. risk injury and stuff, but for him most the benefit... quarters are just bad bad wide
1: receivers that can't catch. So I mean
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's right, man. That's no, what no. Jair was. Podcasters a wide are just guys that can't do radio. So we have that in common. You know what <laughs> I'm just <laughs> stuck thinking that if Vince
3: would have yeah. put more of those special teams highlights, he could have gone into Duke. And now yeah, that's what right. I'm thinking about
0: now. <laughs> Duke, yeah, Duke salivates for guys that want to play special teams. That's like their. I couldn't get in the center. I don't think I would
3: be getting into Duke at any
1: any point.
0: Oh man. Okay. Last thing on the defense. We talked enough about special teams. I, I think that we we kind of get it there. There's there's room to grow, but it was some exciting some exciting moments and, and really like the touchdown. Uh, was a Virginia game. A lot of fun, right? Yeah. I, that was crazy. Yeah. I love a good punt block into a touchdown. But uh, and also Evan Conley, shout him out because I can't not. If you haven't listened to that episode, go okay, back see, and listen.
1: Okay. That that helps my point though.
0: Yeah. But ones fun?
1: need to be on special teams. They're okay. in no world shape fashion you saw no other team in the country have a quarterback be on special teams
0: yeah Now i love it i love love you love want jack out after... there i mean you think that's good for the football team I, I, i'm here I mean, for it that really will show how athletic your quarterback is but, but you is get what i'm saying there. under no. Well, louisville has 12 quarterbacks
3: everywhere. so somebody can play special teams well,
1: here we go <laughs> dynamic special here special we go teams,
0: right? 11 guys we're gonna be looking at film for quarterbacks that this guy plays special <laughs> here teams we go right. years. eight <laughs> quarterbacks go out on special teams with a punter a center and maybe one other guy. And Limitless what you could do. Eight quarterbacks on special teams, right? Just imagine that. Louisville could field that team for whatever reason. Every, Why not? Every quarterback loves to think that they
1: could punt. And oh, like yeah, Thursday, yeah. Thursdays with Satterfield, we'd run through our walkthrough, and it, the last like five plays would all be like kind of trick plays that we would run in crazy situations. Yeah. Clearly, we never got to those situations. Did you get
0: Malik to punt?
1: Yeah, like it would Was be the good backup. It? he's okay i mean yeah. he's not really good <laughs> it would hit and roll but like every time a lot of times we put evan back there to be honest with you oh he's Malik, good sit over there
0: like, coach come he on put me, here, put me in put
2: me in coach i would love to see brady allen on return
0: <laughs> yeah but think about it though like what's the guy's name from the texans that hit the uh, the field goal um uh i can't i cannot remember his name first name is as Dari, but um I, Which I, I don't remember of... hit one back in the day. Yeah, he hit an extra point. But, I mean, this guy came in as the, the backup emergency kicker and kicked a field goal. Like, that's special I mean, Doug Flutie
2: crazy. had the drop kick for an extra yeah. point. That's yeah. one
1: thing I want is field goals and PATs for Louisville this year. Definitely need to oh, yeah. improve. I should never feel this. That's I a mean, good point. I, I always feel that way. I've yeah. lost so many games by way of kicker that it's, it's like sickening at this point. And, I mean, I will forever be nervous having a kicker out there, but you all shouldn't be nervous. Stuff. I, man, it would have yeah.
0: been nice to keep the special teams group that Louisville had from the year prior last year, like that. Yeah. You know, you, you have two massive losses in your punter and your kicker who go on to, you know, different schools and whatever. I, I, James Louisville Turner and, kicking the national championship. Yeah. That's, really, that's the difference. No, like, oh, dude, the yeah, that was like, <laughs> let me yeah. just,
3: let me just pull
0: the knife out. You literally. But the, the misses this year from Travelstead, I mean, at times, you know, you hit the 53-yarder, the longest in school history, but then he'll turn around and miss a 24-yarder. Like, I don't just... care.
1: I don't want you to hit a 53-yarder. I'd rather you hit those 24-yarders consistently. Well, sure. I feel yeah. I mean, and then we'll worry about backing it up. It's like hitting a putt in golf, you know?
0: Right, and how many kickers yeah. in college football really kick fifty-yard field goals? Like that's yeah. very rare, as is. Right, that's usually just go for it territory. But this well, year I swear recruits
1: will think that they, that's all they kick.
0: Yeah, and win <laughs> to their
3: bag. Yeah, Look, man, as, I'm bad as, for... as, as stressful as special teams was, especially the kicking, it did provide some some great moments uh, for me personally. Sure, uh, listening to my my wife, who typically stays pretty low key during football games, but. Towards the end of the season, when Jeff would trot the kicker out there on fourth down, it would be like, what the f- are you doing? <laughs> don't send the kicker out, Jeff.
1: I swear to God, don't send the kicker out. Go for it. Yeah, see, at one point, when, like her, when, yeah. when is he running the percentages like Dan Campbell? Yeah. Like, you know, it's the crazy stat, I was listening to part of my take, they were talking about the kicker, and it was like from like the 43 out, wherever they went for it, like he had an awful percentage. But if you took it two or three yards in, He had like a 100% percentage. I'm like, man, I wonder if Jeff ever ran those and been like, I should probably just go ahead and go for it. My odds here are better.
0: All right. Last thing on the defense is the secondary. uh, And then we'll move on to Matt's stats and kind of walk through each of these groups. Actually, we can kind of start here with the secondary. Let's just do that. Uh, Just like we did last week with the offensive line. We've got some great data from one Matt McGavick here that we're going to run through. Each week, Matt gives us the Matt stats. No, it's not personal stats. That's what we asked for, but he never brings them. <laughs> I want to know who Matt's best friend was when he was eight. Like, I just, that's stuff I want to know, but Matt doesn't care to bring that info to the show. So instead, we get really good football data. Um, And when you look at the secondary, I obviously, I know you're going to have Quincy Riley, who's going to just boom, bop. like the charts are going to be, you know, him in the far right uh, top corner. Like he's great at everything. Only had a couple of slip ups this year. Really, the you know the last game against USC wasn't great, but mostly for the most part was lockdown. You're not throwing his way. That's Riley Island, right? But uh, Matt, what else? Like Jarvis Brownlee cooking right now at this at the Senior Bowl, right? But it's the day to show that he was that good. What about? you know the the guys like Cam Kelly and Devin Neal who played really really good had a lot of good moments but whew, when they were bad man it really it really made Louisville uh, defense you know take a step back so what what does the data show us with the secondary i mean
2: with um that cornerback duo i'm mean, Louisville probably not even probably i went crunching the numbers and Louisville had one of the best uh cornerback duos in all of the power 5 just so they Quincy and Jarvis were one of 11 Power 5 cornerback duos where both corners had at least 500 snaps and a 75 defense greater better. And the other 10 schools who could say that they had that were UCLA, Texas Tech, Ole Miss, Michigan, who had three, Miami, Kansas, Iowa, Iowa State, Arizona, and Alabama. There's some pretty good defenses in that mix. And plus – and I know Brownlee gets kind of a bad rap for, you know, getting burnt a lot, which, you know, he – Does have a propensity to give up big plays, but he is really good against the run. He's really good at bump and run, press coverage. He's a very physical-natured cornerback, and getting him in the right scheme, in the right system, in the right type of
0: coverage, I mean, he he can really thrive. I want him to go to Dallas, just selfishly, right? Dallas produces... Because the Cowboys produce these cor- – get these corners who are so aggressive and they either get a pick or they give up a massive touchdown. And for the last <laughs> three years, it's digs and it's Bland just getting 14 picks a season. Like, come on, man. Jars Brownlee is built uh, for that. It, when you he, get 14 picks, then nobody cares that you got burnt 40 times.
1: Freaking Sauce Gardner, Sauce Gardner was loving on him today on Twitter uh, a couple he of was. times. Yeah. I mean, I might get a little sign of approval for right there from the Jets and he could be a Jet paired over on the other side of that.
0: Oh, That's God. true. Okay. Poor Jarvis. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Subject him yeah. to that hell. Enjoy Mackay Becton up there Matt, in, hell, in hell, New York. Yep. Matt, What? what's
1: passing for PFF?
0: Just say, it. It. Just say, it. say it. Say it. Say it. What's the passing grain?
2: 60. Ah, uh, <laughs> I
1: needed it. I needed it. I mean, you can't. <laughs> What yeah, if they, they didn't listen to the last episode and they 10%? don't know 60% is passing? Right, Matt. If they're they
0: like, need, oh, I'm just turning uh, in. Okay. Every time. <laughs> as Look,
3: as I went to per, high school with Matt. He does really believe 60% episode, is passing. Per
2: our last episode, a 60 grade on pro football focus is the baseline for average.
0: Per every episode, I need you to say that as if they didn't hear it the last episode. Per <laughs> last episode. Yeah, anyways, go on, Matt. Continue to give us these great stats.
2: So, um, and I actually want to touch upon um, how how good Riley was because I know I remember looked at, looking up the stat like about a month ago, and I wanted to see how it ended up shaping out. Um, of the two hundred and ninety nine cornerbacks of the FBS who had at least three hundred coverage snaps, Riley had the fourth lowest percentage of targets caught at thirty six point five out of the out of the sixty three balls thrown his way he only allowed 23 completions and that rate out of that grouping is only it's worse than only Dorian Strong from Virginia Tech Elijah Jones from Boston College and Louisiana Tech's Willie Roberts so like he was one of one of the best in the nation of just not letting a lot of passes like just get caught period like he was he was really pretty much Riley Island And the thing is with the cornerbacks, while PFF loves like how they performed, I mean, with the safeties, the advanced stats don't really, you know, like really like them a whole lot. I mean, they were kind of, they were kind of bullish on Devin Neal, but everyone else on the roster, they didn't really get very good grades.
1: What I loved with Riley is the fact that when the ball's thrown and the ball's in the air, and he, I mean, might not be in position to make an interception. Whether his head's turned and he's looking at the wide receiver's eyes to figure out if the ball is coming or if his head is turned and he's seeing the ball coming, he always places his arms in the right place, whether he's punching or ripping or whatnot, to get that ball out. And I mean, that's really all you can ask for in a corner. You'd love more interceptions and stuff, but if nothing's getting caught over there, I'm happy with the job you're doing.
0: I mean, they stopped throwing to him at some point. Yeah, so, you I know mean, what I mean? Yeah. Like at some point you're a quarterback and you, you know, you feel confident that you can make the throw, but at some point you're like, man, I'm just, I'm going to just not throw it to that guy. Like, I don't want to take the chance, you know, like he picks States it Florida. off. Like, that's my fault. That's not yeah. the receiver's fault. I'm not throwing you the ball. Sorry. Like I'd be going into it being like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I'm not throwing you the ball. Like just the way that it is was, today. That was the part about the USC
3: game that kind of surprised me. Cause they did test. Yeah, Quincy a little bit. And I'm like and, – and the one time he did have the pick, and, and I'm like, did you guys just not watch film? Like, did like, w- whose job was it to scout Louisville secondary? And and you, you pretty much keyed in on every other guy, but it was like they just forgot about Quincy because I guess now, everybody now else in the ACC see, knew not to throw to him.
1: Now we're going to see next year, like, where he – can take that step because he knows the defense now, like it's the back of the hand. Now we're going to see where he can get cutesy with it pre-snap and try and confuse yeah. the quarterback into making a decision on, you know, a timing route where the quarterback's just, you know, taking a three-step drop, not even reading anything and just throwing it. You know, that's stuff where Riley can really capitalize on now or even, you know, post-snap stuff and making, you know, being a little bit deeper in his depth on a cover two to come up and make a play or, yeah you know, playing cover three. You know, a, a different way that he's not normally. It's just he gets a lot more creative with his gameplay and a lot more free. In a lot of ways, being able to play freely within that defense,
0: and it's it's exciting. Not that last year's group, the top three was they were great, man. I mean, Jarvis had a really nice season. Storm Duck, you know, he he had highs, he had lows, but for the most part, it was fairly consistent. They didn't really develop anybody else behind them, and that was kind of the issue. But um, when you look at next year's team, man, I just get super excited with Quincy Riley. Corey Thornton, who's coming over from central Florida and then Tavion Nicholson um, from Illinois, who was a, you know, a draft prospect last year, like, are this, this would have been a draft a draftable guy this year. Like you're talking about three guys now that you really feel like you can go one-on-one with just about anybody with. And when you have that, pass rush and then you mix in the secondary the guys that they're bringing in here right i mean they're they're bringing in some really talented guys in the secondary to replace what they've lost and still bringing back devin neal still bringing back mj griffin i mean it's insane how much better they can be but with quincy riley vince like you said i mean when you have a guy like jair everybody else rises around him you know and quincy is the jair of that secondary group and all these guys are going to want to match that energy also last thing and i'll let you respond but if he's not knowing stone on the ball, right, if he's not feeling like he's having to play a lot, hell yeah, give me the ball on offense and give me – let me let me be Travis Hunter. Like, put me on, on offense, put me on <laughs> special teams coach. I just – I got to play a little bit more. Good, My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, I forgot where
1: I was going to go, to be honest. I'm sorry. I, I had a good thought. I kept talking, man. Me, I really just,
0: fumbled that man. one. I'm sorry, man. I'm uh, like – Way to go,
1: Jacob. oh, Jacob's man. loving cutting people off today. I know. I I'm like John
0: it, L. in the bowl game with
1: Jody, man. You I'm can't just all, expect walking to all ask all a you. fullback to sit there and hold that thought. Like we have a lot
0: of thoughts running through this head. So when it's a good one, we, yeah, right. You only get so many. At night. That's on you. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, man. I got to recognize that your CTE went away for a minute and you got a great thought. I got to come to you in that moment. Wow. Oh, oh, here we go. <laughs> I was going to talk about the dime package. There, there we go. go. Look at that. Yes, there it is. About. Yes. That's where,
1: that's where I love this. Ding, yes. Ding, the ding. dime package and being able to get a pass rush with that. Cause a lot of people put the dime package out there and it's just like, all right. I mean, you got everybody bitched about it would be Brown early on is, Oh, why are we dropping A? Why are we just dropping into coverage and everything? Well, being able to drop into coverage and get pass rush with the guys we have, like Ashton Gelati.
0: Yeah.
1: And, I mean, it's it's going to be very, very nasty.
0: This is fun, man. They, how much longer do we got? They play what? They play earlier this year. It's an August game, right? Yeah. I mean, that's exciting, yeah. man. We don't got to wait until the Monday night anymore. I get so tired of that. Like when they put Louisville on the Monday night after mm-hmm. watched everybody else play. I, and you just literally cannot. You can't wait anymore. Like I already feel that way. It sucks game
1: I, prepping for because you want to get off like week one on the right schedule. You know, sure. get a flow of everything. Get your Saturday. Get your Saturday game. Your weekly game prep in. But having a Monday game throws everything off because your Saturday becomes Friday and Thursday. It's, it's, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Matt. Let's go into linebackers here, um, and let's talk about. Kind of what the numbers bear out to when you look at the development of Quinn and Alderman, um, and then you know, I feel like again, the conversation comes back to the lack of depth at this position, they really had no one. Now, Stanquan Clark had a couple of nice moments, but Keith Brown barely played-i mean, barely played this year, uh, and that's what mm-hmm. happens sometimes when guys come in late. It's hard to learn, I'm sure it's hard to learn a defense on the fly. Um, when you've guys who have been here all off season in that, but what is the, what does the linebacker group look like in terms of data and where they measured up because they tackled well, they did everything that you can kind of ask them for, for about 80 percent of the season.
2: Yeah, no, I mean the, the linebacker core, you know, as a whole kind of graded out fairly well. TJ Quinn had a 68.9 Alderman had a 65.6, uh, Stanquan Clark 64.2. He actually was really good against the run at an 82.4 grade. And I was curious as to have um, how many teams out there in uh, the Power Five had like a consistent, like not like all-American caliber linebacker duo, but at least like a sturdy, consistent duo in the middle. Because usually you only have like one or the other. You use a lot of teams out there have one really, really good middle linebacker, and then it just kind of drops off from there. So I I, I crunched the numbers
0: mm-hmm. like I
2: like, yeah. I like to do. Mm-hmm. And Quinn and Alderman were one of just 11 Power 5 linebacker duos who had over 600 snaps and a 65 or higher defensive grade. Boston College, Clemson, Iowa, LSU, Mississippi State. Who's the linebacker at
0: Boston College, Matt? Who's the linebacker? Do you remember his name? De Palma. Vinny De Palma. Vinny De Palma. I don't know why I turned that into Arnold Schwarzenegger. That went from Italian to Austrian. I don't know what just happened there, man. All right, sorry, go on. I got to cut everybody off tonight. That's yeah, yeah. I was going to no, you cut That's me the off there,
2: but you cut me off towards the end of the sentence, so it's not worth repeating the whole thing. So. No, I think it is. Oh, my God. So, they were one of <laughs> – So, anyway, what seven. I was going
3: to say was um... – Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. So, the only
2: other uh, Power 5 schools out there who also had a linebacker duo that have 65 grade or higher defensively, Boston College, Clemson, Iowa, LSU, Mississippi State, UNC, Northwestern, Oklahoma State, who had three – and Rutgers so while it was very oh how I, I don't want to say this it was common for a lot of schools to have one really good linebacker it wasn't super common for them to have two really good consistent linebackers so that it, that's it's a testament to how well Quinn and Alderman kind of performed at a position where we really didn't think too highly of heading into the season
1: it felt like it's nice to have that, Matt, I mean, this year. It feels like every year, go, even going back, last time we had it was, what, like James Burgess and, uh, what, Keith Kelsey, where it was just Probably two yeah. stud linebackers back there. I mean, Stacey Thomas was good, uh, but, I mean, was never James Burgess by any means. Uh, but, uh, I mean, being able to have that is just – it makes the D-line be able to play so so much more freely. Shooting gaps and things like that, knowing your your back level, you know, all they have to do is scrape or shed a block, and you know they're right there. It's it's awesome. I love linebackers. it's yeah. why they to make good fullbacks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I say you're <laughs> a little my First, my with first
1: interaction game. with Bobby, Coach biased. Coach, where's the fullback room? Fullback, you're playing
0: linebacker. Fuck over there. <laughs> And you just – and true <laughs> linebacker form, like, okay, all right. Well, all right, waddle on over there, I man. Like, uh, this is what they said was supposed what to What am be, I going to say, no? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
3: he just wanted you to play fast. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Man. All right, Matt. Defensive line, let's bring it home here. This was the uh, group that had, I think, you know, obviously real star power with Ashton, developed into that face of the defense, you know, that everybody was talking about him. When you talk about Louisville, he was always the player to watch. He was – you know, always grading is one of the top pressures. There was a picture a week of him being held by five guys and still being Hercules and breaking through. Um, what does the what do the numbers say? Because I would hope that they say that he's an NFL player and Louisville's gonna be really fucking good next year. Like that's that is that what the numbers say when you crunched him?
2: No, it certainly did. I mean, okay, good. So <laughs>
0: that was the perfect Cash-
2: response
1: to- <laughs> <laughs> I can't with y'all tonight. Poor Bat, man. Poor Bat. No, that was perfect. This I'm is the whole point sh- of Matt's stats, I'm going to get you so a damn fun. shirt, Matt, that says that. Oh, I my crunch God. the numbers.
2: I crunch the numbers, yes, absolutely. Or 60 is average on PFF. That's what it's going to say on the
1: front, and then, and then it's going to have I crunch the numbers on the back.
3: Yeah, I crunch the numbers, 60 is average. <laughs> so, um, per
2: PFF, Ashton finished with 58 total quarterback pressures, which finished third in the ACC and 10th in all the FBS. And he wound up being one of eight defensive linemen. Doesn't matter if it was interior tackle or edge rusher with a pass rush and a run defense grade of 80 plus and a total defense grade of 85 plus. And some of the other eight off uh, defensive linemen were guys like Tavondre Sweat down at Texas, who at one point was seriously in consideration for like, being a Heisman finalist and Jack Sawyer, who is probably, who probably could have been at the minimum a day too big in the NFL draft for Ohio state, but he's coming back. And then Latu Latu for UCLA, who he was probably the best defensive lineman in all of college football. And he, Ashton Jelotti is in the mix with him. So like even some like just basic stats, like sacks and TFLs say that tell the whole story. And mean, advanced analytics also tell the whole story. I mean, Ashton Jelati is very good at football. Hashtag analysis, I know, but <laughs> that's,
0: what they, that's, I, that's what they—that's what they pay you me. for to make the big J right there, man. I yeah, love that. Absolutely. That's an article. Absolutely. Go write that.
2: So it, it and it also begs the question. Okay, a lot of these these guys who decide to come back, they hear. Of course, you know NIL gets involved too. Let's not act like it doesn't. But I mean, there were there were things that these NFL scouts saw in his game that. They're like, you know what, we like this, but it could be this, or this could be improved, or this this mm-hmm. needs a little bit better. And I'm curious as to how much the final game of the season, or at least, you know, the defense is kind of do I wanna say collapsed full blown, but it certainly didn't look as good as they did in the last few games. I wanna know like how much that kind of played it that that kind of played uh-huh. into a role as to like him maybe not hearing like what he wanted to from NFL draft scouts and and whatnot. I was
1: one of the ones on this show saying that Ashton should not go to the NFL draft this year, that he needed one more year to come back to Louisville. And I think that's because he needs to specialize in something. You know, you need to be like – what Ashton is shooting for, being this edge pass rusher and stuff, it's got to be a little bit more – a little bit, you have to win your one-on-one battles, regardless if you're getting held or not. That can't be a question. You can never get stuck. You got to be in the quarterback's grill and his face. And I mean, it just, it needed to be, a, you need a little bit more, in my opinion. I just need a little bit more substance out of Ashton. Just a little bit a yeah. more. Cons- and it's only one year too of him giving us this production and stuff. Yeah, so, and you got to think he
0: missed what four games each of the last two seasons or, or yeah. somewhere in there. So I mean, he hasn't even played a full year until this past year. Like so look he, at like right. TJ yeah. Watt
1: and TJ Watt and guys like that. Like though like you're almost guaranteeing a sack per game with these guys. Where you are like oh like TJ Watt or Bosa or one of those guys they're going to get one. I mean that's how we need to be looking with Ashton. Not oh he'll probably get three quarterback hurries and maybe yeah. a half a sack. Yeah, like I, quarterback hurries aren't going to get you drafted. No sacks, TFLs, those that will get you drafted.
3: He's got to be a specialist next year, and I think he's going to be able to because he's going to have some help.
1: Yeah, oh, Did for he? sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You got to have somebody on that other side to be able to bring some juice with it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch him. Um, and and what I would imagine would be a final season. I know in college football, you can play like eight years and just I mean, keep going. I right if he <laughs> wants to come back yeah, out, no, sure. we'll
1: give him this state of yeah, Louisville right sure. on NIL, and I mean, yeah, we'll look nice.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. Right now, currently ducking a steak dinner. Uh, No, I'm kidding. I'm totally totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. You'll be like, this guy can't even get... No, Uh, but uh, shout out to Ash And and we can finally do this. The the crowning of our sack king um, in 2023. What a season, man. I mean, really was when you got to step into the shoes that he had to step into right yaya is in conversation i know he didn't end up in the 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 final group but as defensive rookie of the year is what a yeah. third fourth round pick i mean mm-hmm. you got to step into yasir abdullah's role like that's big shoes to fill uh, 11 and a half sacks i mean that's that is nothing to sneeze at, man. He had a great year, and honestly, it should have been 14, 15, 16 in, in reality. So, next season, even if he doesn't get to that level, there's ways to show he's improved, uh, and I'm excited for that, man. So, shout out I'm to our sack King to winner. i see
1: him drop back in coverage, too. I wonder if they want to see something like that. Like, oh, can Ashley. See, Ashton...
2: I think he'll just be a straight-edge pressure. Because, I mean, when, when you look at, like, Edge versus Leo in the Ron English defense. I mean, Tyler Barron's probably more so for that Leo spot since he kind of did play a little bit of true outside backer at Tennessee, whereas Ash is just a straight edge rusher. Like, he's no, just I'm not gonna... saying
1: like switching positions. I'm saying just have him drop back and in, either into hook curl or even just dropping him back into the flats and sending a linebacker or a corner or somebody off that off that him dropping, adding somebody on type deal. I wonder if that's what they want to see. I mean, it's hard for me when you put the numbers out there, Jago, it's like, I say I want more, but it's like, that's a good year. That's a really good year. And, yeah. but I mean, you I want, mean, he was, a,
2: he was an all American.
0: Yeah. I mean, what more can How you say to an all American? <laughs> I'm here for it. I love it's it, man. The numbers. It's a good Matt problem. The numbers. Yes. Matt stats. Always a thrill, man. Just need it. Need more of it. And it's uh, a great kind of place to stop here. When you look at the defense, I mean, the numbers show they were they were fantastic. But I, I bet if you zoomed into uh Matt, you better watch your arms, man. Oh, he's gonna bite you. Look at him, man. He's oh no, just a yawn. Okay. All right, I gotta worry for a second was gonna bite you. Um
2: <laughs> The listeners are gonna be so confused. They will be. I know.
0: Matt <laughs> Matt's friends there and he might bite him, is what I'm yeah, no. Uh but yeah. in all reality, this defense was a lot of a lot of fun to watch and there's a lot of room for growth and just slightly better next year makes this team uh really really dangerous uh so yeah that's and, it
1: see, i'm good with even if they come back and do exactly what they did this past year this season and i'm expecting us to obviously improve on offense i'm sitting over here like shit that's a shoe-in for acc championship and you know 12 team playoff
0: 12 team playoff yeah yeah I mean, yeah they should... changes everything just, they just, just stay here
1: or improve. Stay here or improve. We we should not see any anything regress, in my opinion, with this defense.
2: No, not at all. They just need to be more consistent and play. That's the word. More complementary football. I mm. mean, because I mean, it doesn't matter how much pressure you get in the in the backfield. I mean, if the secondary isn't covering, I mean, the quarterback's going to find somebody. And it doesn't matter how good the secondary is covering if the back if the front seven's not getting pressure, he's going to find someone eventually. So like Louisville's defense was at its best, like against Duke, against Virginia Tech, against Notre Dame even, when it was playing complimentary football. The the front seven was excelling at stuff at stuffing the run and getting the backfield. And the secondary on the back end was doing very well at making sure receivers didn't get open or if they were if they had like windows they weren't min- they weren't giving up a lot of yardage after the catch or things of that nature. That is what Louisville's defense looked like at its best. And if they can play like that at a more consistent level, they can absolutely get back to the ACC championship game and maybe even get into the first 12-team playoff.
0: Yes, sir. Sign me up. Where do I sign? That's I'll how you close right the now. book Post on it. That's how you close all, the man. book
1: on the defense right That's there. That's damn right, man.
0: That's right. Well, that'll do it for tonight's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Taylor, man, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you for dropping in and blessing us with your football expertise. Uh, it's always great getting to chat with you, man. Thank you. Keep, Anytime, doing, it. keep doing a great job, fella. Uh, fella. I don't know. What am I 45 year old? Young good fella, job. you're doing a good, good job. job over there. <laughs> Whippersnapper.
2: Keep doing you're doing, doing what you're so doing. good. Keep, keep <laughs> my
0: doing, my doing what you deserve, like I should have should have
2: let fella sure. break
0: down them sports. Mm. <laughs> all right. That'll do it from the Pink Seeds podcast. We'll catch you later. From the pink seats podcast is a part of the state of Louisville podcast network powered by Kern's corner in the highlands. Check out our four original shows from the pink seats podcast, covering Louisville football, starting five Oh two, covering Louisville basketball third and central covering the Louisville baseball program and Vamos Morados covering Louisville pro soccer, subscribe, rate, review, any of the shows, find them anywhere you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard
3: to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early.